It's Friday and life is full of difficult questions and many of them often seem impossible to answer. Come with Dawn and Steve this hour as they are joined by Pastor J.D. Greer. 12 truths and a lie or 12 lies and a truth. 12 truths and a lie it is. Got a question for him? Call or text 800-555-7898. Oh, yes. This is the answer to life's biggest questions. Pastor J.D. Greer, we hear him on Summit Life here on Moody Radio today on Don and Steve in the Morning. And I want to do what I have the propensity to do, Pastor J.D., and that is start at the end of the book. I do this all the time. <laughs> she does. I <laughs> It's like, spoiler thing. alert. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think with the reprise that you do at the end of the book, with the lie revisited, it is worth looking at. The 12 truths are going to be transformational. But this one thing, this one lie, it trips every single one of us up from time to time. So will you kind of walk us from the back to the front, and then we're going to hit the middle? Gotcha. Yeah. Well, when your announcer said 12 lies and the truth, I, I was like, oh my goodness, I hope Wrong that's back. not how I wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So the lie is one that I, I think I believed very subtly for a long time, even though I would never have articulated it. And when I finally did begin to verbalize it, um, people just in the church, they came out of the woodwork saying, that's exactly how I feel. And that lie is that the presence of unanswered questions, the presence of doubt is an indication that there's something defective in your faith or that you're a bad Christian. Um, you know, what you see throughout the scripture is that the majority of our Bibles was written by people in a time of what you would call doubt. You know, questions of, of God, why aren't you doing this? And frustration with God, bewilderment. Um, and what happens is people learn to believe not not, um, you know, not without doubt, but they learn to believe through the doubt. There's some kind of um, under, you know, um, encounter with God that gives them the ability to live with certain unanswered questions. Um, Charles Spurgeon, and I, this is what I, you know, I put in that last chapter, he, you know, he always said that doubt is like a foot poised. You, know, you pick up your foot. Um, he said, you know, it can go forwards or backwards. It's true. Doubt can drive you backwards into unbelief, and that's bad. He said, but it's also true that you'll never really take significant steps forward until you pick up your foot. And so you, you can start to see unanswered questions as an invitation from God to press deeper into the mystery and the, the wonder, the beauty of who he is. So when we feel those doubts surfacing, and if we're going to be bold enough to give voice to that and recognize and be honest about the fact that those are there, uh, what are first steps, uh, J.D., when you think when, when those doubts begin to really manifest? Yeah, well, the first question you got to ask is, is, A, do I actually even know what the Bible says? And I realize I'm speaking here to those that you would consider themselves Christians, but even if you're not a Christian, I think asking the question of, okay, if I'm doubting what's, what I have heard about God and heard about truth, do I actually know what's said? Because a lot of times our doubts come from just a shallow misrepresentation of what 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 the Bible actually teaches. So I, I think that's the first step. Um, the second step is to is to, you know, to question yourself and say, all right, well, what is the reason for this doubt? One of the phrases that um, I've learned over the years and I use in the book is, is uh, sometimes we need to learn to doubt our doubts. Mm -hmm. The problem is not that we're skeptical. The problem is that we're not skeptical enough about the one thing we should be most skeptical of, and that is our own our own kind of um, misguided hearts and our own limited perception. So ask yourself that question, and then just open yourself up to this incredible process of discovery and trust that the same Jesus that guided the disciples through their doubts will also 
um, in compassion, guides you through yours. Yeah, trust is key. It is so key, and you write about that all throughout 12 Truths and a Lie, Answer to Life's Biggest Questions. J.D. Greer, uh, let's look at one of those questions that may trip us up and lead us to doubt, and that is this whole thing of sin. Like, we become a Christ follower, and then we still have this sin nature. Why do I keep on sinning if I'm now following Jesus? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that um, I like to tell people to give them assurance and that I find assurance from is that the greatest Christians in Christian history have struggled with that. Uh, John Newton is a good example, you know, wrote Amazing Grace. Um, one of the godliest men, if you read his letters, they're just full of wisdom and, and spirituality. But at 80-something years old, and one of his letters is written when he's 80, and he just tells a, a younger pastor, I, I always thought that by this point, after walking with God for 50 years and at this age, my temptations would be behind me. He said, but some of them are stronger and worse than ever. And what he said, and I thought this was so profound, is he said, I'm convinced that God leaves some of our temptations with us in our flesh until the day that we die um, so that uh, they can keep us from the greatest sin of all, which is pride and a sense of self-sufficiency. But a lot of times our growth in grace is not getting ourselves to a point where we no longer feel our need of grace. But growth in grace means coming to a greater awareness of how desperately we need it and how grateful we are for it. Pastor J.D. Greer with us this morning. He has written the book, 12 Truths and a Lie. We're going to continue to look at some of these truths uh, throughout our conversation this morning. We want to connect you with him, and so you can find a link on our Facebook page, Don and Steve, in the morning. More with J.D. coming up in a few minutes on Moody Radio. You know, truth has been under attack for quite some time here. And so when we look at 12 truths, we also see lies that are incorporated uh, in some of the questions that we may have. And J.D. Greer has written about this in the book, 12 Truths and a Lie. One of the uh, questions that we need to go back to truth for that I, I would imagine as a pastor you hear quite a bit, J.D., is the Bible's morality. Like, okay, the Bible was written like a couple thousand years ago and times have changed and we as a culture have changed. And isn't it just outdated now? Well, in one sense, uh, that's actually kind of amazing. And I'm grateful for it, that the Bible is not really bound to any one particular culture. And of course, it's going to offend our culture. One of the, 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 the places we, our generation, whether we're talking Gen X, Gen Z, millennial, or anything in between, um, you're, you know, one of the things we reveal is our arrogance and thinking that we're the first generation in history to be offended by the Bible. And I'm like, right. no, just read it. I mean, it was offending people in the first century, the 11th century, the 21st century. I always say the Bible is an equal opportunity offender. Um, when I lived as a, a missionary over in a Muslim area, um, the Bible offended them, but it was crazy because it offended them in all a bunch of different places than where it offends 21st century Americans. And what we realize is that if we're talking about a revelation from God in heaven to a really messed up world, and I think one thing we can all agree on, whether you're left or right politically, whether you're religious or non-religious, is our society's messed up. And if, if you believe that, then you would expect that God would confront us. And if he's not confronting you, then really you don't believe in God. You just believe in a deified projection of yourself who's there to affirm all of your um, all of your, your biases. And that's the worst possible place to be because that leads to all kinds of corruption. So be open to be open to a God who offends you and corrects you and challenges you because a God that does not do that is not a God worthy of your attention or your worship.
Mm-hmm. Oh, that'll preach, my friend. That'll <laughs> preach. Uh, another thing that I think brings on the doubt in how we want to kind of step back from faith that we have embraced up to this point is the fact that God's just not answering my prayers. And you're talking mm-hmm. about how we want him to do what we want him to do. But some of these are really big, life-changing prayers, and the Lord is choosing mm-hmm. not to answer them in the way we want him to. What, what, how, do we, how do you answer that? Yeah, well, that's a big question to answer in a quick little segment here. But I'll, I'll tell you, uh, at the, in a previous segment, I mentioned that most of the Bible was written by people in a, in a posture of, of, of doubt. Um, this is the question that they were asking. I mean, read the Psalms. God, what I'm asking you seems perfectly reasonable. I mean, I'm trying to discern your will here. Why wouldn't you want this to happen? Why wouldn't you want this relationship to be reconciled? Why wouldn't you want this person to be blessed? Um, God, where are you? And what you you find is that the Bible never gives you neat and tidy answers to these things. It's not like you can, you know, put in a couple of faith coins and, you know, pull the lever and out comes a, a perfect understanding. But what you, you receive is you receive, um, one, the assurance that in all the mysteries of what God is doing, he is weaving together a perfect picture for the exaltation of his son and the good of his people. You see that at the cross. I mean, if there were ever a time where it looked like God was out of control and evil was winning— It was at the cross of Jesus. But what you see is at that very moment, God was doing his greatest work of salvation, and it was leading to resurrection. Well, in the same way, you can apply that paradigm, if you will. You can apply that to whatever situation you're in. When it feels like it's dark and it's out of control, there's a good God at work, and that he is doing things that are probably beyond your comprehension, many of which you will only experience in eternity, but you can trust him. Um, because of who he is and what he's done at the cross and resurrection. So if he is a good God, we believe he is, but if he is a good God, then why, J.D., would this good God send people to hell? I know that's one of the questions you tackle in the book. Yeah, yeah. If, if If I had to identify one particular question in that book that was the greatest challenge to my own faith, um, that was it. In fact, I, I stumbled in college a lot at this and came the closest that I've ever come to, I think, losing, you know, faith is it just didn't make sense. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of reasons and I impact them in the chapter about how, I mean, ultimately it's it's not God who sends us to hell per se. It's we send ourselves to hell and and you know, hell is a door, as they say, locked from the inside. And it's the result of having a life saying, God, not your will, but mine be done. And God eventually says, okay. But, you know, even after you go through all that, you you still may end up like I do with some questions of of why this, what's, you know, why, and, and, and that's where you come to this understanding that one of the things that we see about God throughout the Bible is that there is nobody that is ever more just than him and nobody more compassionate than him. The last song we sing, Song of Moses in Revelation 15, the song we sing is just and true are your ways. And nobody's going to get there and say, God, I was, you were unfair. And um, what will surprise us when we get to eternity is not the severity of God's justice, but just the magnanimity of his mercy. And so, yes, there's some level of trust there. And I say, God, I don't quite get it. But what I do understand is that you're good, you're loving, more loving than me, and you're trustworthy. And I can hold on to you even in the midst of that and believe uh, what you said. I, I mentioned this real quick. Um, I, I, whenever I sign the book for somebody, I always sign it um, with the verse Deuteronomy 29, 29. That was John Calvin's favorite verse. And what that verse says is um, the secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but the things that are revealed, they belong to us and our children forever. What that tells me, um, Steve, is that there are secret things that I mm-hmm. might never grasp this side of eternity, 
but there are things that are revealed. And those are things I can hold on to. And what's revealed is who God is and how good he is. Um, where we don't, where we, sometimes we want explanation and what God gives us instead is revelation of who he is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, God is truly God and we are truly not. And we stumble <laughs> on that. We have a hard time with that. 12 truths and a lie answers to life's biggest questions. J.D. Greer with us this morning on Don and Steve. We've got Pastor J.D. Greer of Summit Life with us this morning talking about 12 truths and a lie. And J.D., just before the break, you threw out Jeremiah 20, or I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord, but there are things that he has revealed to us. And that prompted a question from one of our listeners. Huey, good morning. You're on with J.D. Good morning, Steve and Don and Pastor Greer. Appreciate all you very much, everything you're doing. And you all know the Bible very well in different degrees. So my question is, Pastor Greer or anybody there, what are some secret things that you think of as secret things that you don't find in the Bible that you would like to know from God? Yeah, well, sometimes people ask that and they're always thinking about like, you know, UFOs and extraterrestrials. And certainly you can put stuff in that category. But I mean, that's a great question. And the things that come quickly to my mind are um, there are still a lot of things about the mysteries of why people suffer and how God is working all things for good that, yes, th th there's some explanation in there. But I, I don't know anybody that would say, OK, that's a full explanation. There's some mysteries about how God is sovereign, how he chooses you know, to save people. And yet there's, you know, humans choosing their own destiny. That's also taught throughout the, you know, the scripture. So there's things like that. There is sometimes some, um, what word am I looking for? Opaqueness about, about, about the end times. Um, I know we all want crystal clear clarity on all that stuff. And the Bible does give us some things, but Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah were a little unclear so that they didn't, you know, Jesus revealed them and showed them what he was saying. The same thing will be true about the end times. And so there comes a point at which, whether it's our lack of understanding or a lack of, of biblical revelation, where you just say, uh, you're asking me to trust you here, trust you with what I don't know because of who you are. And if you're not willing to get into that position, if we're not willing to get into that position, we'll never have a robust walk of faith. Yeah. Huey, thank you for the question this morning. It's just insightful as we think about how God has called us to relationship with himself and how then we walk after that relationship. And J.D. Greer with us, brand new book, 12 Truths and a Lie, Answers to Life's Biggest Questions. And how much, J.D., do you think pride is just our biggest stumbling block? I, I, that's a, that's a, it's a very insightful question, Dawn, and I think that really is the heart of it. Uh, Jesus kind of tied it to two things. One is well, actually three things. One was pride. The other was a lack of fear of the Lord or lack of respect for who he is and the largeness of who he is. And then the third one was um, our, 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 our dependence and our devotion on the opinions of other people. Those are the heart issues behind our lack of understanding. Um, one of the things the Bible teaches, and it's interesting because postmodern philosophy also taught this. It just did it 2,000 years later and acted like it was, you know, it came up with it. And you're like, actually, the Bible, Romans has been teaching that the whole time. And that is that the human heart conditions our minds in what we're able to perceive and believe. A lot of times what we think is an intellectual problem is first and foremost a heart problem. 
And when the heart is properly conditioned with humility and properly conditioned with integrity, then you end up looking at the same set of evidence and seeing the truth that God reveals. The same sun, the philosophers say, the same sun that hardens the clay softens the wax. It's not the it's not the 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 light that does it. It's the condition of the of the of the, of the material it shines upon, and I think that's true spiritually. Mm. And so you talk about the conditioning of the heart. If we do recognize that our heart is not where it should be, and maybe we're engaged in behavior or a thought pattern or whatever that we recognize is problematic, but and and it's being driven because our heart wants what it wants. How do we mm-hmm. begin to condition our hearts, Chitty? Yeah. So, I mean, first thing you do, John 7, 17, Jesus said, how can you possibly know the truth about me um, if you're not, your heart is not in a place of submission to me? So if there's any willful sin that you have, that you're not in obedience to Jesus, at that point, you've cut yourself off from the benefit of his illumination. So that would be the first place is, is come to a place of, of surrender. Um, Deuteronomy 4.29 says, when you seek God with all your heart and all your soul, then you'll know him. So ask, am I devoting? I mean, a casual sort of like, let me just you know, think about this every once in a while. That's never going to discover the truth about God. You're going to have to say, God, this is the most important question in my life, and I want to, to press into this. Um, the last thing I'll say, and this would be for believer or unbeliever alike, if I could, if you could listen to what we're talking about right now and walk away with one thing, it's memorize Psalm 131. And I know that sounds really intimidating, a whole chapter of the Bible. It's only two verses, okay? And all it, it says in, in that Psalm is King David is, 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 is praying, Lord, there are some things that are too high and too wonderful for me to know. Even a Bible writer thinks there's a lot of things too high and too wonderful. And so he says, I've calmed and quieted my soul like an infant child in its mother's arms. This is me. And I'm going to be willing to rest in your character and your presence with things that are just beyond my capacity to understand or explain. Imagery we can understand with concepts that we may never this side of eternity. J.D. Greer with us today. 12 Truths and a Lie. We've connected you with this brand new work on our Facebook page, Don and Steve in the Morning. And there's a podcast by the same name that you are going to love. We'll connect you to that, too. We're glad you're with us on this Friday morning. And if you ever want to jump in and join the conversation, 800-555-7898. You can also hit us up on the Facebook page, Don Steve in the Morning on Facebook. But as we uh, just wrapped up that conversation with J.D. Greer, I'm, I think, encouraged to hear from him that there are certain questions that we may never get the answer to on this side of eternity, mm-hmm. right? But if we know God, then we are going to understand his nature, his character, And when there are things that don't make sense to us, I think we can go back and trust the nature and the character and the known things of God. And even though we may not get the answers, there's an element, I believe, of peace that can come from knowing that he is sovereign. And even if we don't get it, he is good and he is loving. Sometimes we refer to it as God's economy, that when we operate within what he's given us, what he has revealed to us, the things that we can know, he brings the peace 
to the areas where we can't know or we won't know. And that peace that passes understanding as we trust his character. We've talked this week about trusting his heart when we can't see his hand to trust his heart. All these things that we still go, but there's something in us that goes, yeah, but I still... And then you go back to, again, what he has revealed and you trust in those things. First, he kind of wrapped it up with that. I will tell you, I've been listening to the podcast of 12 Truths and a Lie um, that J.D. recorded himself. And there is another thing he addresses in the book and on the podcast as well is that positionally, when you are in Christ, who you are and how we respond to the king, to Abba Father, once we understand that positionally, and it's a game changer when, he, you know, some people just have a way of articulating where you go, oh, yeah, you kind of knew it maybe, mm-hmm. but it just lands and makes perfect sense. And the Lord uses that person in your life. And that was that happened when I was listening to the podcast and what he was talking about that he also put in the book. And okay. that was positionally who you are. Sounds like I've got a new podcast I'm going to have to check out here. I'm telling you. I'm telling Of course, we love Summit Life and Pastor J.D. Greer. You hear that here on Moody Radio. And uh, another friend was saying, you've been listening to J.D. pulling the sermons. Uh, or uh, it was John Garrison. Okay. Our engineer said yeah. uh, his wife has been pulling the sermons and listening to J.D. And there are some people that just resonate with you when they teach the word. Yeah. My son loves J.D. Greer. Uh, and he, this is just another one of those things. He puts it in terms that you can understand, and he's not shy about the truth. Yeah, yeah I love that. There's a, a bold humility, if mm-hmm. that makes any sort of sense, where he's not going to shy away from speaking truth, and he's going to hold fast to Scripture and biblical truth, but not uh, do so in a, an abrasive way. Mm-hmm. Just simply present, this is what the Word of God says. And so I, I do appreciate that. And uh, yeah, not only do I like Summit Life, sounds like I'm going to like this podcast. <laughs> 12 Truths and a Lie. You're going to like it. I know you will. And it's going to, I think, be very encouraging. And of course, he, he goes to the Scriptures looking at the truth, looking at the lie that we believe. And it's all based on that game, Two Truths and a Lie. You yeah. played that? I have. It's been a while, but yes. And yes. did you find it fun? I do think it's fun. I, I'm i not like the most creative, so <laughs> I, sometimes I'm like, oh, okay, I've got to come up with something that could possibly throw people, but it, it is kind of fun to play the game, yeah. Because J.D. makes this kind of statement in the book that for extroverts like him, he loves playing two truths and a lie, but he thinks based on friends that it being an introvert, maybe it's not quite as fun. And so I had to ask my introverted friend if you found it fun. It can be in the right setting. Yeah. In the right setting. Absolutely. Uh, he puts in three, of course, two truths and a lie right at the front of the book. Davy Crockett was my great, 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 great uncle. That's one okay. statement. The second statement, I once shared avocado toast with Nicolas Cage. Second okay. statement. Third, in high school, I placed fourth in the state spelling bee. Those are the three statements he made. One of them is a lie. You want to guess? I'm not going to tell you. You're not going to answer my question if I get it right or wrong? No, because it's in the very last chapter of the book. And uh, this is so hilarious. He knows his readers, right? (laughs) Which ones do you think are true? Which do you think is a lie? You're going to have to wait till the final chapter to find out. For those who couldn't wait and just skim the last chapter, welcome back. (laughs) I'm like, thanks. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You probably would do that, didn't you? Yep. 
<laughs> I'm not prone one. to jump to the back of the book yes. to begin with anyway. I am not one, though, for a spoiler alert. Like, I will read a book front to back unless it's a book like this where there's truth all throughout it. It's not necessarily the narrative. Sure, where a narrative is building to a climactic yes. moment where, yeah, you don't want to ruin the payoff there. But with truth, as you say, all throughout the book. All right. Well, I, I know which one I think it is. Okay. But we'll find out during the break, I guess. Yeah, I can't tell you on air. Okay. <laughs> All right. Man, It's not, that's, that's kind of mean, isn't it? It's not as, I don't want to spoil it for uh-huh. you because you may want to read this straight through. And I don't think that's fair of me to say which one it is. All right. Now we're all curious, aren't we? Okay. Well, there you go. He may, I, I'm not sure if he talks about, I don't think he talks about that in the podcast, but he sure does in 12 Truths and a Lie, Answers to Life's Biggest Questions. Hey, it is connected. I, I'm going to double check right now, but it is connected to our Facebook page. You'll find there Don and Steve in the morning.